This is Tristop Minipod for a Monday night, August the 16th, 2021, and I'm your host, Donald Wayne. Minipod is that gap filler between episodes of Tristop, a mini version, if you will, of our regular show, where I limit the subjects and the time for the show itself, at least sometimes. Well, they're always shorter than the trash talk shows that Dennis Lee and I do, but sometimes they run a little longer than others. Uh, I appreciate everybody for checking out this episode of Minipod tonight, and I'm going to do two things tonight. I have a little commentary that I want to do myself. Uh, it started out as just a couple of lines, and then I, I, I actually figured out I had more I wanted to say than I thought I did. <laughs> And then I've got also a commentary from the Epic Times from someone that I'd like to share with you that I found that uh, I think it kind of helps make the same point that I'm going to try to make here in the beginning. But I, I just couldn't, I couldn't look at the images that I saw today on the on the news. And of course, I generally watch Fox News. Yes, that's that's true. But uh, the images in uh, Kabul today that just, uh, there's a lot of emotion to that. It's, it's heartbreaking to see what's happening there um, and, and what's happening with those people and, and knowing probably what's going to happen to many of them as soon as uh, we're completely gone from that area. But... Um, it would just be hard for me to believe that very many Americans have not seen those disturbing images coming out of Kabul, Afghanistan today. Um, one disturbing image, one that got me and I've seen it, you know, it's the one that I've seen the most of today is that scene at the airport where hundreds of people were running around underneath this U.S. cargo plane that was trying to take off. Well, I guess it was going to take off. Uh, I heard a story that one person was, uh, people were even on the landing gear and uh, one or two people had fallen off and, and gotten run over by the plane, uh, which is awful in itself. But you could just see people, uh, not only were people running around and in front of the plane, following it down the runway, and uh, but there were people climbing on the sides of the plane. Now, this is a plane 
taking off. Now, if you've seen this image, then, you know, I, I know I don't have to describe it to you, but there, there's people clinging to the sides of the plane. There's evidently some cargo hatches or something off to the side, and they're up there hanging on to and looking for something. To I saw one guy that was reaching for something, trying to hang on to something. And, and the question going through my mind is, are, are you serious? Can you actually think that that you can do that and that's going to be successful for you? But there's one piece of footage, probably the most disturbing is as the plane is in the air. It's hard to see, but, you know, uh, the news service draws two little red circles around it and you can actually see two people that uh, fell off the side of the plane as it got up into the air. I mean, it, it looked like it was certainly high enough for them to die when they hit the ground. But, um, I mean, there was never any chance that they could survive riding on the outside of that cargo plane, even if they could hold on for a period of time. I mean, because of the height that these things uh, the altitude that they get to, uh, the people would have died, but uh, they couldn't have held on anyway. Um, but what that does is it makes you, makes you, uh, you know, question how much fear would it take for someone to have that would lead them to such a desperate act and, and a foolhardy attempt. I mean, there's just, again, yeah, part of you, part of me thinks, how in the world could somebody think they could get away with that and hold on until that plane lands somewhere else? Uh, but then, then I, I get to thinking, well, maybe they didn't really think that they could. Maybe they were just trying to get out of there. Maybe they knew that it was suicide. Maybe they knew once they got up so high up in the air that they would just let go and fall and die, rather than die at the hands of the Taliban when they uh, completely overrun the city. And, and like many people in this country, I'm sure, I certainly have an opinion about what I'm seeing. And also, I think too many Americans' lives have been sacrificed and ruined by our 20 years in Afghanistan. Uh, every time that I would see the pictures of uh, the men and women uh, and actually, mostly, you just see the men on the TV. I, I actually I don't know if I've ever seen a, a, a woman uh, service person on on TV, you know, with uh, missing limbs. But every time I see those, it's like, I mean, look at what kind of lives these young men are going to have. But yet they all seem determined to make something of themselves, that they're going to do something with their lives. But uh, it's so much as so much has been given over there. And just too many lives were lost and too many bodies were damaged and too many minds were damaged as well because of what they were asked to do over there. And uh, the blame, in my opinion, must be directed at the leaders in our government and the military that are supposed to know what they're doing. I mean, it's no question that they didn't know what they were doing when they when Biden decided to get this go ahead and get this process started uh, and so quickly 
without any conditions. But I'm not really in a position to, to get overly critical of that because I have no idea what decisions were made, who made those decisions, who advised Joe Biden on this, this issue. But I just I do know that the blame, in my opinion, has to be directed at the leaders in our government and the military that are supposed to know. They're supposed to be the experts. They're supposed to have the 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 right advisors. You know, I mean, there's probably no one in any job that knows everything that they should be doing or need to be doing. They always have to have people around them that they can trust to give them advice and help, you know, help them make decisions, tough decisions sometimes. But how can we continue to trust those very same people who screwed the pooch in Iraq and Afghanistan and are responsible for protecting America from an outside attack or invasion? I mean, these are the people that are going to be supposed to be protecting us here on our American soil. Well, they've already messed up on the invasion one. I mean, people have been invading our southern border for the last seven months. Now, of course, you can say, well, that problem has been with us for the last 40 years at least, but that's another episode in itself. There has never been the kind of surge that we've had in the last seven months. Over a million people as of the middle of last month. I don't even know what the number is. I haven't kept up with it the last couple of weeks. I think there was over 200,000 that that came in in the month of July. So, yeah, the immigration is a problem that there's a lot of people at fault why that's never been taken care of. And, and, and it's been politicians on both sides of the aisle. There's as many guilty Republicans that this immigration issue has never been fixed as there are Democrats that have never gotten it fixed. And they're always blaming each other. I understand that. And I know it would be too easy to say if Donald Trump had won re-election, things would be a lot different. And yes, as it's been repeatedly said, and as Joe Biden said on his news conference today, whatever that was, uh, his little speech that he came out and gave, he said, well, Trump was the one who made the deal to, to get out of there. Yes, Trump did have intentions of getting out of Afghanistan this year. But I can't help believe that he would have either done it differently, which they've already said that Trump had conditions that were supposed to be met before the withdrawal, that the Taliban would have to agree to some things. Although, sidebar here, how, how much could we trust them giving our word about anything? It's not like they're the most honorable people in the world. Almost be like Iran, you know, promising they'll do this, like, you know, uh, their nuclear program, right? But I just think Trump would have done it differently, or I I think that there's a possibility that maybe he would have stopped it altogether if it was apparent that the Taliban was beginning to start massively taking over areas of the country. I, I don't know that for a fact. 
but he may have done something differently to slow that down or help prevent it. But that is water under the bridge, right? I mean, <laughs> you, you liberals, which I don't know if any liberals actually listen to this podcast, but if they are, you liberals just had to get Donald Trump out of office. Or you people who hated Donald Trump, you never Trumpers, if you will, just couldn't stand his personality. He was a scuzzball. He was uh, uncouth. He was not presidential. You just had to get him out of office. You couldn't stand the thought of this guy that didn't deserve to be president being there, right? But I know liberals spent more time in the last four years that he was in office trying to remove him than they did doing their job, the job that they were elected to do, the job that people paid them to do, right? And yes, <laughs> yes, that gutless never Trumpers, they helped you, right? The Mitt Romneys that just love to stand up there and say, this guy doesn't deserve to be president. It's not somebody we can tolerate being in the White House, right? He wasn't bona fide. He wasn't presidential enough. But he actually expected results from people who worked for him. There's, there's something that's refreshing in Washington, D.C. You actually expect people who are hired or elected to do a job to actually do that job. What a concept. That's because we almost treat people in elected office almost almost like we had a king and, and, and queen of the country, you know, and then all their little... Uh, you know, many rulers that are underneath them. They can't do anything wrong. We don't treat them like they are our employees, that they work for us. We don't work for them. We don't owe them anything. They owe us to do the things that they promise us they will do. Of course, you know, Biden, I, I guess he basically has been trying to do all the things that he promised his liberal friends, uh, his liberal supporters that he would do. But he's not going to be able to get all of it done, hopefully. I mean, liberals probably think that they're in good shape, you know, considering where they were with Donald Trump. I mean, we're spending shitload of money and buying future votes left and right, right? That's, that's what the liberals are doing. You know, but the funny thing is, well, it's not really funny, but you know how I mean funny, right? The funny thing is we still have a president who says embarrassing things more often than we would like for him to. The difference is Trump generally meant what he said and Biden can't remember what he said. All right, that's my take for today. I'm going to uh, share this commentary with you that I found on the Epic Times. 
the current edition of Epic Times, and it's by Roger Kimball. Uh, not Richard Kimball, which was the fugitive, but Roger Kimball could be related somewhere or another. But Roger is the editor and publisher of the new Criterion and publisher of Encounter Books. Uh, and he has his most recent book, and I forgot to put that in here. I'm, it may be in the article when I pull it up. So let me move over to that, if you will. Bum, ba-dum, ba-dum, bum. Oops, <laughs> almost had it. Uh, again, trying to avoid the pop-ups. Uh, the title of the article is Afghanistan and the Cost of Having a Normal President. Consider this a letter of congratulations. I address it to Democrats everywhere who told us that Joe Biden would return the United States to a state of normality. I address it also to those many Republicans as well as Democrats who fought tooth and nail against Donald Trump because, well, he was not a normal politician. Donald Trump issued mean tweets. He made fun of the media often singling out reporters by name. He was bombastic, more more bombastic than President Joe Biden. (laughs) It says, um, hang on a second. I got to adjust my glasses here so I can see what I'm doing. Um, So he lied. We're talking about Donald Trump. Again, did he lie more than Joe Biden? No thoughtful person believed there was anything to the fabricated gossip about Russian collusion in determining the 2016 election, which does not, of course, mean that that issue of grotesque lies was not believed and assiduously circulated by many big names in the media. Nor did it insulate Trump from being compared to virtually every tyrant in history, literally Hitler, remember? Now, there is, there is now a lot of hand-wringing about the performance of Joe Biden. I'll give you a, just a little then versus now in a moment. First, I want to raise the question of whether the people who helped put Joe Biden in office should have their hand-wringing licenses suspended. There are several uh, putatively conservative outlets, those that deserve Bill Crystal's elevated conservative seal of approval, who worked overtime to disparage Trump. They bought wholesale into the January 6th riot as an insurrection, threatening our democracy. That is all looking as rancid as a Russian collusion delusion, but I haven't heard any apologies. Instead, we are treated to high-minded, by which I do not mean intelligent, analysis of Biden's faults, blunders, and mistakes. I do wonder whether such people who helped put Biden in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue deserve to be heard on the question of his liabilities. I offer that for future consideration. Should those who helped put Biden in office now deserve a hearing 
when they are complaining about his performance? I confess that I do not listen to them. So now he has a heading, Trump's Achievements. Back when Donald Trump was president, I would periodically list what I considered his achievements and the campaign promises that he kept. It's a rather long list, and I won't reprise every item, but here are just a few. He promised to appoint judges and justices on the stamp of Anton Scalia. Sorry about that. Uh, tongue twister. That is, jurist who sought to uphold the law in light of the Constitution, not make policy by using the Constitution as a Ouija board from which to make policy. He promised to exploit American energy resources, and he did so. By the time he left office, America was energy independent. Joe Biden is even now begging OPEC to increase production. We talked about that the other night. We shut down one of our bit, biggest projects in the country. We shut down leases on federal lands. And now, because of crippling the oil industry, our own homegrown oil industry, our president is asking a foreign power to increase production to help us in America. What kind of freaking sense does that make? And that's not the word I want to use, but what sense does that make? And why in the world do liberals have a hard time with that? Uh, unless for the fact that liberals want us to all be driving electric cars anyway. All right, back to his list. Trump promised to cut taxes. He did so to the benefit of more than 80% of individuals and the entire corporate economy. And it's the corporate economy that, that people pick on him about because that's the rich folks. That's the rich white businesses, you know, that Donald Trump was helping out and not worrying about the little guy. So say liberals, right? He spent a lot of money, too much in my view, but inflation remained tame on his watch. His economic policies generally brought higher wages, especially at the lower end of the wage scale, and led to the lowest unemployment in decades. They led to the lowest minority unemployment in history. Joe Biden, you can't say that. The stock market went from some 18,000 when he was elected to more than 30,000 when he was pushed out of office. His immigration policies essentially stopped the flow of illegal immigrants across our southern border. He brought peace to the Middle East with the Abraham Accords. He reimposed sanctions on Iran, the world's largest exporter of terror, and made sure that they would be stymied in their quest for nuclear weapons. He saw China's bellicose military and economic posture for what it was, and he spoke and acted strongly against it. He fulfilled a decades-old U.S. promise to move our Israeli embassy to Jerusalem. He was warned this would inflame the Arab street. We heard nothing. He instituted Operation Warp Speed to develop an effective vaccine against COVID within a year. This was said to be impossible. 
He oversaw the development of not one, but three effective vaccines on schedule. Remember those vaccines when they came out, they started becoming available in December and you had people like Kamala Harris and other Democrats said, well, we're, we're not going to take it just, you know, because of Donald Trump, just because he says it's safe. The very same people now who want to lambast Donald Trump for not doing uh, public service announcements saying people need to get vaccinated. Well, he wasn't, you know, worthy of delivering any messages last December, was he? But when they need him for a scapegoat, they're going to pull his name up. He promised to restore the fighting prowess of the U.S. military. He did so, investing more than a trillion dollars to upgrade its material and infrastructure. And I'd like to know the price tag of all the military equipment that was left on the frickin' desert over there in Afghanistan. All these weapons and things that these people who hate America, who want to see Americans die, we've left weapons in their hand. I want to know whose decision that was and how much money, American taxpayer money, is sitting over there in Afghanistan. Today's news is another category you set here. That was then and today, the headlines tell the story. Consumer sentiment at the lowest level in a decade. Inflation keeps growing, but Dems won't stop spending. On Thursday, the New York Post reported the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported yet another jump, a full 1% in the producer price index for the month of July. Wholesale prices are now up 7.8% over the past year, the fastest annual surge since such record keeping began in 2010. Food, gas, cars, housing, clothing, service are all up and surging higher. I stopped and uh, had to, to fill up my car this afternoon when I got out. This is me. It's not in his article. And I am paying a dollar and 30 cents more than I was back in early January for gas. So it's costing me an average of about 20, 25, $26 more to fill up my car than it did in January. That's a lot of money. That's about an eighth of my grocery bill. Back to the article. Worried about the uptick in COVID cases? How about this headline? Texas border town makes deal with Biden administration to ship illegals to big cities. Yes, you read that right. And it gets worse. It's not just that Biden administration is shipping illegal migrant to cities across the country. It is doing so without testing them for COVID. You, dear citizen, must constantly be tested, masked, vaccinated, double masked, but scramble over a fence in Laredo and you're home free. According to the agreement with the Biden Department of Homeland Security for transporting illegal immigrants from the Rio Grande Valley, these individuals will henceforth be released and then immediately be transported to Austin, Dallas, and Houston. Border Patrol will not subject the illegals to COVID testing, the mayor of Laredo explained, because testing implies liability. 
The reason why we don't do testing, said Mayor Pete Sinez, a Democrat, is that once you test, there's an obligation. You might actually have to take care of them in your hospitals, your doctors, pay for the medical expenses. Well, we know we're going to do that anyway, right? He went on, if they're positive, we're told that you have to quarantine. We don't have the infrastructure for that, the mayor, Pete Sinez says. Afghanistan. But of course, the biggest headline these past couple of days revolve around Afghanistan. Colossal failure, Saigon redux, humiliation in Afghanistan. Really, it's surreal. The Wall Street Journal says Taliban take over of Kabul, 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 I forgot what I said a minute ago, as Afghan president flees country. Byron York in the Washington Examiner, the government of Afghanistan is falling fast in the face of new Taliban offensive. The United States is urging Americans to leave Afghanistan immediately. It's chaos and it's humanitarian crisis of gigantic proportions. It is also a political crisis of gigantic proportions, not just for the Afghans, but for United States. Russia, Iran, China are all sitting back to enjoy the spectacle of America's biggest humiliation since the helicopters airlifted U.S. personnel off the roof of our embassy in Saigon in 1975. True, true. The Taliban won praise from CNN for wearing masks while they attacked various cities. But wouldn't you know it, that item was from the Babylon Bee. <laughs> Not from the Bee. The U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan spent more time planning for Pride Month than it did for the withdrawal, said Ian Miles Cheong. Meanwhile, Biden went to Camp David. He'll be there at least until Wednesday. No events scheduled. Now, this article was probably written before Biden did come back to the White House today to do that press press, press conference today or to read the statement because he didn't really answer any questions. So he did come back to the White House for that and then immediately supposedly, reportedly, went back to Camp David. Last week, estimates that were Kabul would fall within 90 days. Yesterday, that time was revised to 72 hours. Also yesterday, Pentagon spokesman John Kirby assured the world that Kabul does not face an imminent threat from the Taliban. And here we are now. Taliban insurgents entered Kabul on Sunday and President Ashraf Ghani left Afghanistan. So that's the end of his article there. All I can say is I hope you people are taking notes of everything that you're seeing on TV, on the news today. And yes, it's easy for those of us who have nothing to do with making these decisions 
I wouldn't even begin to suggest that I would have an idea of how it should have been handled. But when you see people willing to risk climbing on the side of a, 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 a transport plane, knowing they're going to die when that plane takes off, that shows a, a, a degree of desperation that most of us in our lives have never actually had, not where we have to make that life and death decision, that we would rather die from falling from that plane than we would at the Taliban's hands with a sword or a firing squad. And it's not just Joe Biden, and it's not just the people that he's put in positions in, in, in government and in his cabinet that are to blame for this. There's a lot of blame to go around in Washington, D.C., and in our government and in our Congress, because a lot of people have supported many of the things that have been done over the years. Just take notes and take this time and these things that we're watching unfold before us, not only there in Afghanistan, but what we're watching here in our own country, all the madness, the crazy things, the things you're seeing proposed and people wanting to spend money on that you never, probably never thought in your lifetime would even be an issue. And get ready for 2022 to make a decision that you're going to help find the right people to vote into office or vote for some that are there because there are good people there in Congress today to try to straighten this mess out while there's still a chance it can be straightened out. Because the same people that made the decisions that, that you are seeing the immediate effects right now in Afghanistan are the same people that are trying to run our country here with some crazy ass policies. All right. I want to thank you for listening and downloading this episode of Tries Talk. If you like this or any of the Tristalk Family Podcasts, please be sure to follow us. I'll be back tomorrow night with my co-host, Dennis Lee, um, for another episode of Tristalk Tuesday night. It will not be a live episode, uh, but we will have a live episode on Thursday night, and we'll kick off another week. Well, we'll actually announce the winner of our um Hopefully there'll be a winner of our first week of the contest for the Mark Levin book. And then we'll kick off week number two. If you're not, if you're not understanding what I'm talking about, uh, as far as the contest, if you'll look back at uh, Thursday night's episode, you actually don't have to listen to it. Uh, if you look at the notes, the notes that I post with the podcast, it should give you enough information that you'll know how to participate in that contest and uh, possibly win a copy of Mark Levin's book. 
Until then, keep your eyes open and your mind sharp. Stay safe, everybody.